show, uh, I have a question for you today. My question is, what's something that in your lifetime you were like, I don't want to do this. I don't like doing this. You're not going to make me do it. But then you did it and you were like, you know, it's not so bad after all. Do you have anything like that? Every day. Every day. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to wake up, and I'm glad I do every day. I'm not going to work. (laughs) No, I, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I work in the yard all the time, so I never want to mow, but I sure do like it when it's finished. (laughs) I like to sit out there and watch the work get done. Um, I don't know. Uh, right now I've, uh, you know, since I retired and everything and, and, uh, I've lost a lot of videos and I've lost a lot of files. So I'm having to recreate and things because I actually am having people like just the other day, I had somebody, uh, get a hold of, um, the president of our school board. Cause he knows him and ask about me because apparently about eight years ago, came to a session and wanted to know if I still had my stuff for the session. So I go look for it and it's a session from eight years ago. And um, I could not for the life of me find it. So I sent an email and I said, you know, through our correspondence and I said, I do not have this. I can't find it, but I'll have to recreate it. I had from the Avidos situation that I had just the other day, the spotlight session, apparently, and you know, you and I talked about it, but it got, I had to recreate that whole entire session. And it was like, I wasn't that bad when it was finished, but sitting down to start from scratch again on something that I'd already done was kind of difficult, but I'm glad I'm doing it because you know, if it helps others, then that's good. So anyway, the interesting thing is right now, what I don't want to do is I've moved my entire classroom and all that stuff into my house. And I'm going to have my sister, she's going to come stay with me for three uh, weeks or all through July. And I've got to get everything figured out. I got to organize all of that and figure out. So I go to my storage to make more room for my classroom and I'm throwing away stuff. And there's this box and guess what it was? All of those presentations, the hard copy of the presentation from like eight years ago was in my storage. So I found it. So I'm going to recreate it digitally, but at least I have what I did. Because I mean, talking about pulling out of the air, I don't know what I did exactly. Just that this person described it a little bit. And I remembered the conference, but I, I quite did not know what I done so it was neat to have the handout but I just found that after I'd already said I'll give that to you so that's something that I've got to do that I think will be good once I get it done so I think digitalizing some of my presentations that I've done in the past and seeing I found a whole nother series where um, I took several and they were all in one box so I found all of those so there's a lot of uh, work I've done in the past that's just been on in folders in my storage that are presentations I've done all through the years. So uh, I think it'll be good to kind of digitalize those and see if I can figure out some of the stuff I have lost, but it's been brought to my attention that I can't, I thought I saved everything, but the district retained some of its own ownership to some of that stuff. So I got to recreate for my brain. 
Yeah, it so. just goes to show you, because we've talked about presenting on here, and we know that there's uh-huh. people that listen to podcasts that, you know, they might be invited to present a district thing somewhere else. They might be aspiring mm-hmm. to do podcasts, whatever. You should always make backups. And this is coming from experience, because I have lost so many presentations. Mm-hmm. I have lost so many things because I've done it through the district. Even though it really wasn't district things, I still just made it on district accounts. Yeah, and um, it makes it theirs. And, yeah, and you just don't think about it. Right. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good advice. But so learn from um, Ochoa's mishaps. But ladies and gentlemen, this is Craft and Draft. That's Pam Ochoa. I'm Jacob Chastain. We're two educators down in the state of Texas. Doing what we love. Talking about. <laughs> yeah, mishaps. Talking about what we love. English language arts workshop and pretty much everything in between. Um, we're talking about technology today. But before I tell you more about our topics, I want to tell you that the reason this podcast exists and the reason you're seeing this video, if you are watching the video is because you're a supporter on Patreon or you're hearing me say this on the free feed. And you're like, there's a video. Yes, there's a video. It's on patreon.com slash crafted after all the greatest stuff goes. If you want to be a part of the people who get videos like this and so much more, including bonus episodes, training videos, including our craft and draft setup and so much more upcoming trainings, all of that jazz that you need to join us. Just like Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Donna all have go over there. Check it out. We have two tiers that you can join. We try to make it worth your while. We're going to be adding so much stuff this summer, but if you can't do that, that's wonderful. It's okay. We understand teaching salaries. They're not the best sometimes, depending on your state. So don't worry about it. Subscribe. That helps us as well. Leave a review if you haven't already. And just come back every week. Listening every week really does help us, even if you don't do any of that. So you pick the tier that you want to support us at, and we're happy about that. We're just glad to be here with you today. But today we're talking about ChatGPT. Last episode, we talked about AI. We talked about technology. We talked about how AI is here to stay. We briefly tease some of this, but this episode is going to be us uh, ranking and judging chat GPT's lessons. So Pam has two ideas. I have two ideas. We're going to see how many we get through, Um, but we're going to uh, record our reactions via video. Also, just record what's going down so you can kind of see. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to follow along visually, join us on Patreon at the listener tier. This will be available to you we're gonna make it available to everyone because it's connected to the podcast we want you to do that Um, but if not hopefully then we can just narrate it enough audio wise if you can't join us over there so let's get to it all (sighs) righty miss ochoa let me jump to this so real quick while i set up screen share i'm still not over the mishap moment i'm just saying i mean that's okay mishap why did that catch you so much (laughs) let's break this down (laughs) well this is affecting you more than i thought (laughs) anyway go ahead no 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 we can't brush past this i'm done i understand how you see me now mishap it's okay (laughs) (laughs) wasn't you i know i'm just playing around we're going to you know, take her advice through her mishaps. All right. Okay, whatever. That's right. I'm over it, everybody. I'm right. okay. Well, she's I'm not okay. Over I, will, I will go to sleep tonight and I will be able to sleep. If there's anything. I dream about mishaps. <laughs> if there's anything I learned about Miss Ochoa, she lets nothing go. Doesn't matter no. what it is. Um. Okay. So while I'm pulling this up, my question is, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
you used chat gpt for our blurb last episode is this correct i did now so what was that like part was mine or which part was yours no no i can't whatever you can tell no i was like i don't know i just it was what it was you wouldn't have told me otherwise and you were like i used it and i was gonna i saved this question for the show because i wanted to hear it because we briefly for people who didn't tune in last episode go tune in it's a great episode but for this one uh you used it. So you used a tool. Did you feel like it made it less authentic? What was your thought process? What was it like using artificial intelligence to do part of your work? That was interesting. I uh, just was curious after we had our conversation, you know, cause you said, you know, down, look at it and see what it does. So I did, I, I, I went ahead and, and yeah, I pulled that up and then I sent it a message that you see down there at the bottom. And the message was something like, uh, create a, uh, what is a good blurb or something like that for, uh, a session, an episode over, uh, should we fear technology in the classroom? And so I did that and it pulled up an entire blurb and yeah, a little article almost (laughs) a little article. Yeah. I was like, wow. So what I did is it didn't sound like me at all. So I had to make it sound like me. So Mm. what I had to do is go in and change words that I would use, that it was really a little bit grandiose, if you will, uh, above what I typically do. You know what I mean? It was more uh, flowery type language, I think, than what I would have done. So the curious thing to me is what you just said. And I know we said this last episode, but it's going to ring true in this one, too, which is our the human element of what we do is still present, right? You were like, that's not my voice. Good ideas. I need to tweak this to be my voice. I think, and this is where, when we were talking about last week, um, writing prompts for teachers and how they're afraid of chat GPT. They're like, Oh my God, it's going to make, uh, kids aren't going to be writing anymore. But I think this is interesting because the depth, Oh my God, this is, Miss Ochoa, I have so many. We're going to do a thousand episodes on this because it's so fascinating to me. But your so when you say you what you, you focused on your voice, that is from massive amounts of experience of knowing what you sound like in writing. Right. And right. In the in the things that you would say, the 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 order of words. And I think this is where like the word nerd stuff comes in. And I think this is where like for the writing workshops that I really love and the ones that I connect to and the ones I think they get kids to write the most are the ones that focus more on that piece, more on mm-hmm. what is it that you want to say and how do you want to say it less on, is this grammatically correct? Not saying that's not important, right? I always got to clarify that those things are important. Knowing grammar is important, but the more important thing is your voice. How do you say something? Knowing what your voice is knowing when you're when you don't have an authentic voice knowing when something is off and that to me is an elevated rigor that you experienced because you had a tool that took care of kind of the grunt work so to speak so kind of the idea portion but then the writer the human had to go okay so how do i use this idea as something i can use it's no different than sitting in a room and brainstorming with people and and you take someone's idea, but then you make it your own. To me, that is the same concept of AI being used mm-hmm. by students correctly. I don't know. Is did, did you feel that way? It was like a, it's just like another human being, I guess, that you you bounce ideas off of and then you just tweaked it to make it your own. 
Yeah, I mean, pretty much. What I did is is I read some of my other blurbs that I had done, right? Mm -hmm. And I compared that to what I typically do. And I wanted to keep the same kind of structure for, because I didn't want people to say, what? You know, mm -hmm. did they hire somebody to write that write it mm -hmm. and, I, and i needed it to sound like like what we typically do um it because i accidentally put the word you know i put the word we in there i had to change the we to teachers i had to do some things like that i had to you know i don't write the blurbs with in first person i kind of write yeah. them in third person mm -hmm. so i had to change so i had to know my my you know, how to change it into that. And of course, when you do that, you have to rearrange and change your, 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 uh, uh, your verbs and uh, the way you go about doing that. And so then also it didn't put it in the same structure that I typically do. So I had to rearrange, mm. like usually where I say in this episode, we, you know, this will happen. Well, they had that in a different place than where I would have done it. And so I took it and I rearranged. So I took some of their sentences, chopped them up and inserted them inside of mine. Yeah, that's it. Oh, my. Because <laughs> to, to me, like that uh -huh. is that though, the, you just listed 10 different lessons that you can do with this stuff. Yeah, because it yeah. it's and I think this is where we're going to go. I truly do. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and maybe these podcasts won't age well, um, but I really do think that the the future of this technology is freeing up some of this grunt work, so to speak, of writing and then going into the more of the nuances of structure, of word choice, of voice, of purpose, of realizing that your initial idea, like you might have an idea for something and instead of writing a whole paper, have AI write a chunk of it and go, Oh, that's not the, the way I want to go. That's not the, yeah. Yeah. Cause it definitely didn't go the route I typically go, Yeah, but it did have some good lines in there that I felt sure. hit the mark better than I probably would have immediately. It would have taken me a while to get where I wanted to go yeah. with well, the and, right vocabulary. And here's the thing. And this is getting a little futurist. Um, for mm -hmm. people, but I think the way this is going, have you seen the movie her? I don't think so. So it's with Joaquin Phoenix. I highly suggest watching it. Um, that was a long time ago. No, well, oh no, never mind. It wasn't a long time ago. Was it? Maybe it was a little while ago, maybe 10 years. Well, or is so. it, was it a, a robot and he loves yeah. this and he fights for her and all this stuff? Yeah. But she's an AI. Yeah. I have seen it. I just yes. took me. Took me a second when you said who it was. Yeah, I didn't know this the title of it. Yes. So one of my favorite movies, but this is where I think this is going because the, right now it's it's a generator, right? It's not really speaking to you, but there is a time in the coming future, probably within, I mean, definitely within the next 20 years, in my opinion, probably 10, um, where you're going to have AI that can talk back to you. The, in a realistic way, like we were driving to, we went to Austin with my sister principals recently and they had, uh, they were using ways for, uh, navigation. So not Google maps, mm -hmm. not Apple maps or whatever, but ways. And mm -hmm. they had this, the, this voice on there that it, it sounded real. Like it was like the way she was responding to stuff. She was like, there's a cop on the right. Are they still there? Or maybe you should say hi, right? Like it was very uh, a natural <laughs> kind of right. thing. Like there's going to be a time where like, like we already interact with Siri, we interact with Alexa and stuff, but we know that it's 
there are like, you know, it's aware, quote unquote, but it's not really responding to us in a realistic way. ChatGPT is so good at what it does. It's really only a couple sidesteps to be interacting with you in a way to where it's like, what voice would you like? Or do you like this to where it starts asking you your preferences? And so there's a future where we're interacting with these AI in a, in a very not human to human way, but almost in a, a worker to worker way, right? You're sitting in a meeting, you don't really know everyone, but you're throwing out ideas. That's where I see kind of like the future of this AI going. And it's going to, I think it's going to elevate uh, how we think about things and to elevate ideas. I think it's going to make a lot of creativity possible. Now, are there going to be people that abuse it and try to pass off their ideas as something? Sure. Are there going to be copyright laws that come with AI? Absolutely. That is going to be a hot mess that's coming in the next few years. But it's the same thing that happened with uh, YouTube, right? YouTube had to battle the copyright problem for a long time because <laughs> it, it people were just playing music. Um, so they had to invent the technology that would detect if you were playing music that was copywritten. Um, but that was a huge issue. The other issue was like covers. So if I play a cover, am I copywriting? So there's also video games. People stream video games. Technically, that's breaking copyright. But the reason video game developers usually they do sometimes, but usually don't go after streamers is because it gen they know it generates the money in the end because if you watch someone who's playing a video game that you like, guess what you're going to do? You can go buy the video game. Right. Right? And so it's free advertising, <clears throat> so to speak. Um, and that's interesting. So I think AI is going to have to deal with all of that, which is a really fascinating concept. But before we – we're on a tangent. So let's reel it back in. Well, I want to okay. say something before go you ahead, reel go it ahead, in. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's unreeled uh, still. <laughs> I want my side of the tangent. Sure. Uh, no, but – but one of the things you were talking, the, the human aspect, and that's something you mentioned in the yeah. last podcast. And our students, the reason I was able to to know what I wanted is I had already written many myself. Mm -hmm. In other words, I already knew what my voice sounded like because mm -hmm. I have written so many of them that it took on its own kind of voice. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And part of it is yours because you kind of helped me get started on what maybe it should sound like. And then after that, you know, I've taken it, taken it on myself. Mm -hmm. The thing is with our students, for them to be able to analyze and to be able to use it in the classroom, they have to write quite a bit themselves. They have to they have to develop their own uh, voice, their own way of using language. Before, I think somewhat, I, I agree with you maybe on the on maybe the brainstorming, but to actually mm -hmm. before as a teacher, before I would allow them, I, I would want to see them write quite a bit on their own in front of me mm -hmm. so that I would know as a teacher what their voice was like. Mm -hmm. And then I could help them work that process. And then we can move to the next level. That's just something I was thinking when you were talking about that, yeah. because the only way you know how to 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 analyze something and to really evaluate, you almost have to experience it and know how to do it yourself Yep. before you can develop that. Well, it's, it's like I was watching, I was watching a cooking show, uh, the next level chef. Okay. Little, okay. I, I like, I like those kind of cooking shows, but there was a student that was actually from our area. That was a 19 year old who's now a professional chef. I could see this person going through one of our, technology centers right and through culinary but one of the comments that he had made was he messed up 
you know, you know, as he was leaving, he made it all the way up to the top nine. So he was really good, but he said, my, my palate's not developed. So I misunderstood how some spices and stuff should go together. So he messed up on the taste. It didn't work. And it's because he goes, that's because I haven't developed my palate. I haven't taken time to, I haven't had the time because he was so young to develop the palate like everybody else. So to me, that's that process. And I think that same type of process is what we have to still teach no matter what uh, AI comes along. Thank you. Well, and I think you're right. No, you're good. I think you're right because, uh, that's the difference. There is a mm-hmm. difference between. So I, I guess a good example. I don't know. I, I guess I'm thinking of music right now because it's just an awesome. We, we watched a band that did a lot of covers. Right. And it's really interesting to watch. Like you can watch artists that do a great cover. OK. We talked about covers on the podcast before. They do a great music cover. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. They, they added their own flair. They added their own version to it. Like, I think of like one of the greatest covers of all time is All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. He took a Bob Dylan song and made it his own, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. don't even know that Bob Dylan wrote that, right? They've never heard that screeching harmonica version of Bob Dylan. Um, and that, that goes for a lot of Bob Dylan songs, right? A lot of people have covered his music and made it something, which just goes to show you how great of a songwriter Bob Dylan is. But it's also... It's not just because you can cover something doesn't mean that you're original. Hendrix happens to be someone that was original. He had tons of original stuff, but there's a lot of people who don't. Right. There's people who um, they they do their covers and that's all they kind of have. And I think that'll be the differentiator. I think we're going to reach a a point where you're going to see people who over rely on technology. It's kind of like music, right? You listen to stuff and you're like, Oh, this is very processed. It's very fake sounding. Like it's good and you might like it, but you know that you're not hearing the artist necessarily. You're hearing a lot of computers you're hearing a lot of editing. You're hearing a lot of processing. Um, and then you hear something a little bit more natural and you're like, Oh, and I think we're going to reach a point where people are like one of the selling points, like made in America as a selling point. I think a selling point is going to be made without the help of AI, right? Made without the help of computer generated ideas, whatever the term ends up being. I think that is going to be something that happens, right? This book was written completely without the hands of AI, right? Like it's going to be something that's totally going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think it's really fascinating as, as teachers that deal in the arts, um, I think there's a use for it. And I don't think there's an anti-use for it, but I, I like the, I, your point to, you have to put in the work still. Cause you, even if AI generates something, you, if you don't write enough and if you don't practice your voice enough, and if you don't read enough, you don't know if the AI spit out something good or not. It's the same way a kid might copyright something. And because they have such little experience in what they're doing, they don't realize that a teacher knows what a Wikipedia page reads like. <laughs> right, or why right. that's different from a middle schooler's writing or an elementary, uh, elementary mm-hmm. teach, uh, student's yeah. writing, like that, because they don't have the experience to know right. that. So that nothing beats that. Nothing beats work still. And I think that is the mm-hmm. fun part about technology is because yeah, we can all be doom and gloom about it, but nothing beats work. At the end of the day, literally nothing beats it. Okay. With that, that was a big preamble. Let's try some things, Miss Ochoa. So our goal today ladies and gentlemen, is we are going to pump some things into chat GPT. We're going to look at the lessons. We're just going to read through them. 
um, analyze them, talk about them. Maybe they're perfect and we have no criticisms. Maybe we'll talk about how we would alter them. But we figured this would be an interesting thought exercise based on our conversation last week. Um, and just based on where things are going, right? A lot of people are talking about this and not a lot of people are talking about this in the workshop space. So let's kind of see where this goes. Like I said, you can be watching this on our Patreon page where it's going to be free, uh, for anyone that's joined us on Patreon at both tiers. It's not going to be tiered locked. So if you're on Patreon, you will see this video when it is posted. Um, if you're listening to the free feeds, you're going to hear us talk about this, but if you want to jump over there and catch that, you can as well. But okay. So let's do yours first. Give me one of your ideas and we'll pump this in here and see what it says. So what was, well, you mentioned, you mentioned grammar earlier. So, um, one of the things that, uh, I think was tested fairly heavily for us was subject verb agreement. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, subject verb agreement can happen in so many different ways. So I was thinking how to write a, a lesson plan for fifth grade subject verb agreement as its topic. Subject verb agreement. Okay. So what I typed for people that are not watching, I said, write a lesson plan for fifth grade. I'll say fifth grade students just in case. Okay. Around subject verb agreement. Okay. So let's hit go. Let's find out what happens. Faster than me. (laughs) I love watching it. It's like, it's so interesting. I can't write that fast. Yeah. Oh my God. I already see some good stuff in here. Extended modifications. Okay. So first of all, I want to say, and Ochoa, this is going to be kind of a throwback for me and you is the way this writes out lessons and the way I've kind of messed with it before it writes lessons the way we used to have to remember when we had to put lesson plans in Edgephoria. Oh yeah. Yeah. You remember that? It it Mm -hmm. fits that structure a little bit, doesn't it? So it does. for people that don't see this um, at the top, it says grade level, fifth grade subject, English language arts. It says objective by the end of this lesson, students will be able to demonstrate an understanding of subject verb agreement by correctly matching subjects with verbs in a sentence. So it went matching. Now, okay. my first thought to you is Ochoa is matching is technically a low level task, right? Right. So would this be something you started with? Would would matching be something you start? So let's start at the very beginning. Is this in line with where you would start or is it not? Well, I mean, I would. I, um, <laughs> Do I need to go further no. before you answer that? No. Well, I mean, I, I subject verb agreement by correctly matching subjects with verbs in a sentence. I mean, that's what the students will be doing. Um, so I don't know. I might change it to identifying subjects and verbs and then analyzing whether they, uh, agree or not agree. So okay. I'd probably have a little more detail in there. Okay. And we could probably alter that if you wanted to, but, uh-huh. um, also it says continue generating regenerate response. That's interesting. Yeah. So let's keep going though. Materials, whiteboard or blackboard markers. Uh, and you know me always on the whiteboard. I'm good. Yep. Subject verb agreement worksheets, subject verb agreement game cards, optional sentence strips. You love your sentence strips. Well, I probably would do the sentence strips, uh, cards, maybe worksheets. Okay. So this says introduction, five minutes. Begin the lesson by asking the students what is subject verb agreement. I don't think that's a bad starter question to kind of assess if kids even know what it means. See what they need. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
allow students to share their ideas and definitions, explain what subject verb agreement means that the subject and the verb in a sentence must agree in numbers, singular or plural. Okay. Then review 10 minutes, remind students of the concept of subject and verbs in a sentence, write a simple sentence on the verb, such as the cat blank, ask students to identify the missing verb and suggest possible verbs to complete. So this is almost like a little catch, right? This little review, mm-hmm. ask them if they know what it means and then move on to jumping into, there's a lot of discussion here, which is interesting. There's, there's demonstrate, there's write, there's discuss, provide more examples, both singular and plural. Like I, like I might not agree with exactly how this is written, but the concepts of what put in here is exactly what I would do in a lesson. Like just the concept okay. itself. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Number three. Of course, of course when I, when I start, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back. But when I actually start with any kind of verb, I, I don't start with the subject. I always start with the verb. So that's where I would be different than this. And that's where I'm different than most people are not most, but a lot of people. Yeah. So we have to find out what the verb is. But I would go ahead and write a simple sentence on the board. Mm-hmm. And then I would take a line and I would divide. I would have the students divide cat and the verb so they could actually. So I know that they know the difference between the two. Anyway, go um, ahead. no, you're correct. I like that. So and then it goes to number three, subject verb agreement rules. So introduce the rules mm-hmm. and then it kind of writes them out here. Right. So like I, I think of this as like a new teacher. Right. Let's oh, say yeah. you've, you've never really taught subject verb agreement. You know what it is. You've been through school. You're not illiterate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you might not like be refreshed on just like how it's written out in this. And so it literally spits out rule one, singular subjects take singular verbs. Rule two, plural subjects take plural verbs. Rule three, indefinite pronouns such as everyone and nobody take singular verbs. Rule four, compound subjects joined by and take plural verbs. So this one, it says, write each rule on the board and discuss them with students, provide additional examples for each rule. So you know what I would do differently here? What? So if a teacher handed me this lesson plan and we were talking about it and they wanted my feedback. And this developed, I guess, as I taught is if you list out all of those rules. You're going to lose kids. Uh In general, maybe not always, but I think you would. So what I would do is whatever piece I was reading or whatever, maybe thing I was doing, I would make sure to show the example and then identify the rule with it. That's, that's kind of how I would go. It's, or I guess you could do it in reverse. Like if you say singular subjects, take singular verbs. I would either show an example before that to where we identify that and then write the rule or read the rule and then show an example, but I wouldn't do all four rules and then show examples. Well, right. I wouldn't either. And this is where you could, um, giving a nod to Jeff Anderson and his work on patterns of power. Um, I would take maybe some mentor sentences from books that I think are well-written and that's where I would get some of those. And then I would have students actually find in their reading, uh, sentences that look like that. So singular subjects take singular verbs. I would make sure I'd have a mentor sentence that showed that. And then I would have students go find similar sentences in their reading and then list them. Then we talk about it. And then I would have them actually use it in their, in their writing or go find it where they've used it in their writing or revise their sentences to include those types of things. Yeah. 
right? And so what we're doing right now, right? Imagine we were tired at the end of the day on Thursday. Yeah, and I have to have these turned in by Friday morning because my principal's mean like you, and they're going to, because you're a mean principal, I know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. No, you're not. I'm teasing. But Micromanager. Uh, my micromanager principal is going to be, not that they are, <laughs> but they're due because their superintendent told them they're always due yeah. on Friday mornings so that we all know what we do by Monday. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, so yeah, I have to come up with something fast. Go ahead. So you generate this, but we've already taken this and we like some of it and we're altering it, right? This is what I'm right. saying for teachers. This is what I'm hoping they're getting. It's the, it generates the ideas and then we get to pick and choose what we do. Now, if it gives right. you a great idea, then take it. But otherwise, mm -hmm. so let's go past this after providing examples. So this is guided practice, distribute subject verb agreement worksheet to each student. This is already a no-no for you and me. Yes, instruct, I don't. Instruct students to read the sentence. I've lost a few friends over that sentence. <laughs> That's okay. That is okay. This is I'm this teasing. is good for us to do. Um, uh, to read the sentences and choose the correct verb that agrees with the subject. Circulate around the classroom. So it's having teachers move around. Providing assistance and feedback is needed. After completing, after completing the worksheets, review the answers as a class. Discussing the correct Subject verb pairs. I, I, the guided practice, I think, would have been better in rather than a worksheet, hand them uh, a passage. Uh, yeah. Maybe have them find it in their own reading. Yep. Um, versus yeah, this is where I would do all that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's where you and I, and that that's like a fundamental difference, I guess, just in teaching style, because this is very much, I taught you something, now do it in this worksheet and turn it in. It's, it's inauthentic. Well, this is how I was taught. Yeah, it's how most. And people I can tell you I that I drew a lot of arrows from one word to the next, and had no idea why I was drawing the arrow. Mm -hmm. I was doing this. I mean, but I'm talking about when I was a seventh grader. I remember being frustrated and not getting satis. I did not get a satisfactory answer from my because they kept using the word modify, modify. Well, I wouldn't. I now know what all that means, but but when I was younger, I remember. I was really excited when I finally figured it out because, oh, that's what they meant. But I'm telling you, I was frustrated as a seventh grader. I remember it. So here's the thing, Miss Ochoa. Mm -hmm. What I like about this, this is this is a surprisingly great example of what I wanted to do because we didn't plan this. I mean, we planned what we wanted to do, but we didn't try this out to see how it worked. No, this is all this is. <laughs> Not is, AI assisted. Yeah, this is this is what we do, right? We jump on a show right. and we want we we authentically mm -hmm. talk because this is what this is what we try to do. But anyway, yeah. so if you're looking at this, for people that are watching the video, for people who aren't, so step four was the guided practice with the worksheets. We wouldn't do that. We already said we would alter it by independent reading if we we're going to look at it, maybe specific passage, et cetera, et cetera. Look at number five though. It says application. Divide the class into small groups. Provide each group with a set of subject verb agreement game cards or sentence strips. Instruct students to match the subject cards with appropriate verb cards, right? So it has like this gamified element, which again, not bad. If we walked into a classroom as coaches or Choa, mm -hmm. we wouldn't be upset with that activity. It's just, it loses authenticity. But if we go back to four, the guided practice, if kids found these sentences in their independent reading, or maybe because you were handing out passages, you handed out passages that were for specific groups. So different passages, and then you put them in groups to identify. So it's a little bit more authentic because they're identifying, they're pulling the stuff, right? Especially in their own reading. Cause then you're working in book talks so like, Oh, I found this sentence and they're like, Oh, what's that sentence? Oh, 
And you could even add, hey, tell people a uh, 30-second pitch about your book and now talk about your sentence and then see what your group says about the subject-verb agreement, right? You still get the same concept of this collaboration, this gamification, so to speak, but in a more authentic way. And that's where I get mm-hmm. excited because this has a great idea. And then in my head, I'm like, okay, so they're not going to be attached to the worksheet. They're not going to be attached. They'll like the game, but it's not going to be attached in a real way. So how do we add that element? And that element to me is that authentic reading, that authentic they're creating along with us. I don't know what's your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it, or you could hand out, and I do have them small sentence strips. Yep. And uh, they, 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 write them. they write them themselves, and then they turn it in. You check it. The next day I might be doing the game cards, but it would be game cards that they created. And then maybe they could guess after the book talk, they could guess what's what uh, sentence did that come in? You know, they could do some things like that. I'm not sure. But I might yeah. do that on the next day. Sure. And then so <clears throat> for clarity, we have introduction, asking what it is, review, define some things, subject of agreement rules, guided practice, so a worksheet, uh, application, a group and kind of a game. And then it goes to independent practice, assign an independent practice activity for students to complete individually. This can be a worksheet or an online exercise that focuses on subject verb agreement, collect and review the completed work to assess students understanding. So even if, so let's say we kept this whole lesson as is six independent practice is always their independent writing or reading to me. Yeah. That's, that's all I was thinking about is this is where they would write. Yeah. And if and then we would go back in. So like I'm hoping by this time they've written several things. So what I would do for independent practice here is go back into one of your writings that you've already done uh, that you have not revised. And let's look and see. Are identify your verbs, identify your subjects. Do they agree? Do they not agree? If they don't agree, then on the left side of the craft book, not craft book, draft book then they would uh, make those corrections on the left side of the draft book. And then they would point to what mini lesson it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So you and I, this is, this is why it's good to like, if we (laughs) did this, I mean, this would be like, I could see us doing this and then going, could you learn by, cause you're almost analyzing this lesson plan and going, okay, so this is a nice basic one, but how do we, how do we prop it up? How do we make it better? How do we alter it? Right. Right. Which I think is cool because the, the structure is still there. So you have independent practice and then a conclusion. Summarize the lesson by reviewing the rules of civic verb agreement. Once again, good. Encourage students to apply this knowledge to their future writing to ensure grammatical correctness. Also good. Address mm-hmm. any remaining questions or concerns. The conclusion is great. I think that's perfect. And then we get to extensions and modifications for advanced students provide more complex sentences with challenging subject verb agreement cases. Ah, see, that gets solved by them independently reading because if they're more advanced, they're reading more advanced fiction usually or nonfiction, depending on what it is. Um, that could also have been when I, my idea of maybe having different patches, passages for different groups that could have been handled uh, there for the modification. Yeah. Uh, For struggling students, provide additional examples, offer one-on-one support. That would have been perfect independent reading. Your reading conferences, your writing conferences, maybe small group. Right. Incorporate technology and using online subject verb agreement games or interactive quizzes. Not a fan. I think it's fine if that's what you want to do. Well, actually, actually, I did do that a little bit this year because I had this one group. 
exactly. I'm just kidding. But I didn't do it every time. I just, just did kidding. it. But I, but I did do that. And one of my students was the kids didn't think he was very smart. Does that make sense? You yeah. could tell that they yep. thought he was kind of goofy and they kind of passed him off. But he ended up beating them every time. So it was like a great um, uh, boost to his uh, his feeling in the classroom and everybody, you know, because he kept beating everybody that thought they were smarter than him. So it turned out to be a good thing. So I played it more than once for him. But, you know, I did it more of a time filler because mm -hmm. I couldn't really start something else at that time just because we were having a shortened day. And so I did not realize, but it was on subject verb agreement. It was like a little cahoot and they were just having a good time, but he kept beating them and he was like, he could really play those games. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was great for him because it kind of boosted his morale up a little bit. And he yeah. was like, that's right. I am smarter than y'all think, you know, it was just kind of, you could just see it in his face. It was sure. everybody else was like, Oh my gosh, that was really good. You know? Mm -hmm. So it was neat, but so I'm not against that completely, but I do it more of a feel, filler, uh, maybe more of a, you know, a five minute moment when we're kind of ran out of ideas and I'll pull something like that up. So it's not bad to keep something like that on hand um, when your days are kind of running a little bit different. Yes, <clears throat> this and th that's the thing, like I've I, the Internet is filled with my opinions about programs and all these other things. Right. I've said it a thousand times. However, it's just really a personal opinion. Like I just I don't find a lot of success with them. I don't find a lot of connections to them. If you're doing that stuff and it's working, go for it. Right. Like I I. I, I think that there's a time and a place. I think that even my, like I've done it. You've seen me do them before, right? Both out of force and out of just compromise with the team. Um, so I'm not, I'm not fully anti it. I just, yeah, I lean a certain way, but I don't want people to get discouraged by that. I think I'm judging them for any of that, if, that, if that's what they want to do. But regardless. Well, well when ahead, you're looking ahead. at the bottom one, it says create a subject verb agreement anchor chart. Yeah. And I know that our our friend that we worked with, uh, she is really good about anchor charts and she uses them effectively. Uh, so but what I did is, you know, I write on the board. But when you did the presentation or when we did that episode and you talked about getting organized and using um, uh, Book It, I mean, not Book It, but uh, Rocket Book Books. I know I said Book It on accident, but Rocket Books. Yeah. Well, Rocket Books has uh, the orange icon, the orange arrows that you can put on the whiteboard. And I would take a picture of that, of yeah. my notes that we mm -hmm. did. I would put that and take a picture of it and I would upload it and then put it on, uh, uh, put it on my uh, learning management's you know, canvas. Yeah. Uh, so it would be like a reference page, but it would be all of my notes uh, that we took on the board when I was talking, because you know me, I, I write the whole board up and I'll leave it up. But yeah. then when I take it down, I would take a picture. Once I discovered rocket books, I would take a picture of the whiteboard um, aspect of it. And then uh, anyway, I would store it for the students so the students could uh, go and get those lessons. And some of them did, some of them didn't. Yeah. But that's how I would use that, uh, digitalize that. Sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's jump to a slightly different one. Okay. 
for the sake of time, we're at 43 minutes. We'll probably do one more of these. We plan for them. Okay. If people, if people like this, we can jump into some more. But let's do, yeah. I want to do, do text structure because I think this one's really interesting. Okay. Um, and I, the reason I want to do this one is because this is a lesson that I have seen done a thousand times and I don't really ever like how I see it done. Um, and I'm curious at what AI does, so if it'll do the common, what I consider the common pitfalls of this, or if it'll be a little bit more advanced. So I have the standard. I'm also going to do it. So the standard is analyze how the use of textures contributes to the author's purpose. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this is what I'm going to do. So in a, let's do sixth grade. Sixth okay. grade classroom. Write a lesson that teaches students how to analyze how to use the text structure, blah, blah, blah. Cool. All right, let's see how this works. Boop. Okay. Wow. I cannot go that fast. What I'm curious is how much of it is similar to the one we just did. That's what I'm saying. Because they have probably an algorithm, don't you think, to make it? I don't know how. Like all lesson plans should be similar to this. Sure, but that's what's interesting, right? Is because it's like people don't. I feel like a lot of people don't do lesson plans a certain way, but. All right. So well, this. this reminds <clears throat> me of the old uh, when I, when I had to write lesson plans when I was younger. Yeah, this is that's what I'm saying. Like when I came into teaching, I had to write lesson plans in the, similar in this format. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't that long ago. Nope. So, objective, by the end of this lesson, students will be able to analyze how the use of text structure contributes to the author's purpose in a given text. We would literally put that at the top of our craft book. Yes, we would. That, like, beat for beat. Yeah, I would. Materials, whiteboard, blackboard, markers, chalk, text, or passages with different text structures, e.g. cause and effect, compare and contrast, problem and solution, chart, paper, graphic organizer, sticky notes, or index cards. Ooh, index cards, Ochoa's love Oh, you know, you know, I love that. So introduction, begin the lesson by asking the students. Okay, so very similar. What is text structure? Allow students to share their ideas and definitions. Explain the text structure. Uh, refers to how text is organized and how the patterns of organization used by the author. Okay, not bad, right? Breaking down the standard a little bit. Mm-hmm. Review, 10 minutes. So it is the same structure so far. Remind the students of the different types of text structures. Write each text structure on the board and briefly explain its purpose and characteristics. Provide examples of text or passages. Exemplify each text structure and discuss them as a class. That says for 10 minutes, you can... Me and you have seen lessons that take that little review section right there. For a week. And yeah, to go. <laughs> One text structure a day. Am I wrong? No, you're you not. Gonna say That's that? why it made me laugh. I was like, <laughs> we've seen that, that number two, what should be a 10 minute review. Because remember, this is sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So most of the things shouldn't be new, depending on your standards, I guess. In Texas, it really shouldn't be new. Um, and we've seen that extended. So that's interesting, right? Um, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of this. Again, I don't like throwing a bunch of different things at them. It depends on where they are. If we have talked about them already, that's cool. But I, I mean, I guess, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm analyzing myself as a teacher because I've done it multiple different ways. If, if I tend to introduce things one-on-one, meaning if we're going to look at cause and effect, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, but I've also done it to where we would go over all of them, and then I choose the one to focus on for that day. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What's your thoughts on this review? So would you review this way? Or 
I don't know. I see a lot of pitfalls. If I, if we gave this to a newer teacher, I feel like this would be where the lesson would fall apart because it would take too long. It does take too long when it's done like this. Yeah. Uh, what would I do different? I don't know. I would. I I have been known to just hand them a graphic organizer that showed them this. I've done that before, uh, but that's just because all of my other partners that I was working with were doing it that way, but they were doing the one at a time every day and I was not going to do that. So I just took their graphic organizer and gave it to the students. And then we talked a little bit about it and then we went back into our reading and then we, we looked for examples of cause and effect. So the kids went back and did all that. And I've read some examples to them, uh, different paragraph structure, different ways, but not you just I pulled like like uh, again, another nod to Jeff Anderson. And, you know, how he does those mentor texts. Well, I did mentor paragraphs. And so then we would look at the paragraphs and then the kids would we would have a discussion and decide what they were. Uh, but I would do it all almost in like one day. Yeah. OK, so number three, author's purpose, 10 minutes. Introduce the concept of author's purpose. Explain that refers to the reason why an author writes a particular text. Discuss the difference or the different purposes an author might have, such as to inform, persuade, entertain, or explain. Emphasize that authors use specific text structures to achieve their purpose effectively. So here's where I start differentiating myself from this stuff, where I like all of this. I think this is all good stuff. I would do this within the text yeah, because I would hand them something and maybe we're halfway through it. Maybe we're at the beginning, maybe we're at the end. That's when I go. So what do you guys think is the purpose of this text? Cause just saying to inform, persuade or entertain, they've heard that a thousand times, right? I think it's this over reliance on front loading. Like we know front loading is, is useful. We've talked about it, but I think we, I don't think you have to front load everything. I think there is so much power in reading something and then just asking kids, especially this is a sixth grade lesson. Hey, kids, based on what we just read, why do you think this was written? <laughs> right. It's like I think that well, has a deeper learning experience than describing it, then reading. Well, and here's another thing you asked for a sixth grade lesson. And I will tell you in in Texas, our standards, the inform, persuade, entertain, explain. A lot of teachers teach that with yep. a graphic organizer of PI, you know, an, an acronym yep. of PI. Well, actually, inform, persuade, entertain, or explain are the reasons that are given in third grade. That is actually a third grade standard mm. uh, for us. And so I, as a coach, I didn't recognize that until uh, we were putting a lot of pressure. Not We were not pressure. That's the wrong word. But we were focusing on teaching to the level the, of rigor of the standard, like teaching to the rigor that the standard requires. And this right here, when you when I went back, because I had a, had a teacher that was asking me about this specific thing right here. And um, so we went looking at the standard and the standard was not at all like this. And, but then we, so I went through that line of standards, you know, like where was it introduced in Texas? And this, in this format was, Pi was taught in third grade. So this is actually a third grade yep. standard. So, so it's again, kind of fascinating. The human element. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we even though this is generating ideas, 
you don't catch that. Like I didn't catch it. You caught it because you've mm-hmm. had this experience before. I've had the experience. I've had to. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good to know. This is this is why when when people freak out about this stuff, it's like we're still getting ideas from this. Right. It's still encouraging stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. But this would be a great point to be like, OK, so is this matching our standard? Right. Is this standard aligned? Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean it's giving us bad ideas. It took up a lot of grunt work for us. But now we get to yeah. alter it. So let's go. This is the most important thing to me. So analyze text structure. This would be, I would be in my craft book. I'd Kids would have a piece out. It. it says provide students with a text or passage and ask them to read it independently. I don't mind that. Distribute sticky notes or index cards to students. Don't mind that. Instruct them to identify the text structure using the passage and write it on the sticky note or index card. So write identify. Next, students ask or ask students to consider how the use of that particular texture contributes to the author's purpose. Very good, right? Because if you, what what happens, Ochoa? People stay here at the identify because mm-hmm. it takes so long. You've gone through this lesson. You're 30 minutes in because step uh, two took forever, right? Where you were <laughs> reviewing all of the text structures. And now we got to move on and take our test. Yeah. Exactly. So you stop at identify, but this goes the extra mile. It goes to the standard, which mm-hmm. is um, how it contributes to the author's purpose. Have students write their thoughts on the sticky notes or index cards. Encourage students to use evidence from the text to support their analysis. I love number four all the way through. I think it's good. Do you have any criticisms of this? Um, no, not really. Uh, I don't, but there is something that we do in, in Abdos and, and it's where you analyze the text structure. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what we use, uh, is we use those cubes. Uh, you could do Legos and they're different colors. So if you're trying to analyze like, uh, our earlier, it was cause and effect, right? So your cause would be blue and your effect would be red. And so what the students would do is they would actually analyze other people's text, you know, like a piece that they're reading or one that I've given you so that, you know, we're on the same page. Everybody's kind of analyzing the same one. And then they would actually color code their their sentences in their paragraphs to see what what structure so each one of those things would get a a color and then the kids would actually put their um line of um cubes in the in the color of that that paragraph the reason i would do that is just we're looking to see what other authors do Mm -hmm. okay now take that same thing look in your own writing and are you doing something similar and when you are now, you can, like you said, identify that on your note card. So you transfer the information on your note card and you talk about, well, why was the purpose? And you would use that. So yeah. I don't know, but uh, but using like some hand on hands on manipulatives are always helpful. You could also take your note cards. They're different colors and you can have the have them have them organized in, you know, like, so I like, a lot of times I like to color coordinate things. And Mm -hmm. when you have a list of different things like that, cause and effect, uh, answer solution, uh, topic, evidence, response, you know, those types of things. If you, if you have those types of structures that you're trying to teach, color coordinate those with a manipulative and then let the students move it around and analyze it. And can do all of your paragraphs 
I always start with the topic sentence first. You know, how to do, sometimes we start like problem solution. Sometimes we start with the solution and we end with the, with the problem. What, what led to this solution? Sometimes we tell you the problem and then we write out the solution. Now the purpose is why did the author switch that up? And is it okay for you to, now you're thinking at a higher level. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, okay. Five. Sorry. No, you're good. That's perfect. Small group discussion. Divide the students into small groups. Instruct each mm-hmm. group to share their findings and discuss how the text structs are used and the yep. assigned passage contributes to this purpose. Good. Encourage students to listen to the peers' ideas and engage in respectful discussions. Circulate among the groups, providing guidance and clarifying any misconceptions. I think this is fine. I don't think that needs to be 15 yeah. minutes. To me, that's like a two-minute activity, and then we share as a whole group. Because this would still be in my mini lesson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right here, like this whole this whole section. So five and six for people that are watching the small group to whole group. I can, you can come 15 to 10 minutes. No, six minutes total. You don't need all that time for this. Um, I like it like this. This is really good. This isn't workshop format. I guess so. You know, we're a workshop podcast. So this isn't this is just too long combined with all the other stuff happening. Yeah. Um, and then so apply skill. Provide additional text or passages with different text structures. Instruct students to read the text. Identify the text structure. So this is independent practice. I would do this in their independent reading. Um, if people, we always ask people, well, if they're reading predominantly fiction, how do you get them to think about text structure? You can have a nonfiction unit where they're reading nonfiction. Um, you can have them reading articles. You can do all those things. We we've we talked about this in other podcasts before, but there's ways to. Limit choice in order to achieve a purpose. If this is what you want to do for a long period of time. Well, and also keep in mind that in authentic text, even in fiction, your character may have a problem. Mm -hmm. So there's probably a paragraph in there that states the problem. And then they use dialogue and stuff for the supporting characters to help them answer their problem. So it's more strung out as far as that. I know that the whole entire piece is plot, but within that plot, you have smaller pieces. Mm -hmm. And so being able to maybe, like you said, use that nonfiction piece, but then as a teacher, I might want to show them a fiction piece where the author actually used this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But also let's just think about it in nonfiction pieces, right? You have anecdote. Well, anecdote is written as a story. So you have the whole piece might be informative, but within that informative piece, you may have a story structure. You may have problem solution structure. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, and that's higher level, right? That's synthesizing uh a bunch of different things together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the I think it's difference between workshop teaching and this. Like this is, like this lesson is good. If a teacher did this lesson, it'd be perfectly fine. Yeah, but yeah. I I think there's tweaks to make it a little bit more authentic, and I think that's where the bread and butter of what we talk about exists. Where mm-hmm. what what we're advocating for on this show, what we advocate for because we've seen it in our teaching, what we advocate for because we've seen the power of workshop, 
is finding all the ways to make something more authentic. You're taking the game of school, you're taking learning, and you're making it more authentic to their lives. That's all it is. That's literally all it is. And sometimes mm-hmm. we strike out, and sometimes we hit the nail on the head. That was mixing metaphors. But uh, right. at the end of the day, I think it's... I think as long as that's your goal, you're going to do better and better as you go forth. And then we get to the conclusion, right? Yeah. Summarize the lesson by reviewing the main points. Emphasize the importance of understanding text structure. To comprehend the author's purpose. I love that question. Encourage students to apply their skills when reading independently and consider how the author's purpose influences their own writing. That, it, the, again, the conclusion, top notch. That is a great conclusion. It is. But and to me, this ahead. would have been this would have been their goal setting. So when we talk about craft yeah. and draft, you go through your lesson, you do your mini lesson, you have a brief discussion. This would have been what launches them into their independent work. Yeah, because their independent work, or their goal, their writing goal would be I need to use I need to look at a text structure and apply it to my purpose mm-hmm. as a writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then so on my left side there, I would find places that I need to rewrite, rearrange, review. And then on the left side, I would have the students do that and then go back into their writing and then kind of, you know, when they tie it all together, they would write it all out in, a, you know, and when they when they type it up in their portfolio. For their final product. So, but I have them revise on that left side, doing things like this. Yes. Yep. So, Miss Ochoa. Yes. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. How do we rank Chat right. GPT tonight? How do we rate it? Yeah. How do we How do we rank that as a, as a lesson plan generator? Well, I think it's got some. Well, it's. It's definitely following a particular lesson plan algorithm that somebody put into it. Sure. Okay. It reminds me of the Madeline Hunter days a little bit, uh, which is your lesson plan from the 70s, 80s, and 90s yeah. that we've developed is still the same structure. Uh, it's kind of a I do, we do, you do kind of thing. You can see that structure in there a little bit. So in that light, I think as a basic lesson plan creator, I think it's definitely a good starting point. And if you're not sure what to do as a new teacher, uh, I think I would definitely use it to kind of get me started. And then I would add and subtract and rearrange things as I need to for uh, to make sure they fit the needs and uh, the directives of my of my district. Yeah. I. So I guess I rate it. I don't know. Scale of one to five. Sure. I, I put it up there with a three plus. Yeah. To a four. It's a, and it's then a, it's your job to make it a five. Yeah. They're solid. Right. Like those mm-hmm. and those are random. Like we could have tightened that up. We could have maybe added in a workshop classroom right Mm -hmm. there's other things we could have done that but that gave us so many things to talk about right we spent an well we we didn't spend an hour we started this maybe 35 minutes ago talking about this right we went through two lesson plans where we analyzed all of this stuff that to me is what a lot of teachers are missing out on because they're just going oh well i found this on teachers pay teachers let's do this lesson right i found this worksheet here oh this is what my partner did so i'm gonna do it here But if you have something that generates and then y'all can analyze, okay, so mm, let's not do it here. Let's do this here. Let's move this. Let's tighten this up, et cetera, et cetera. I think it just, it opens up a lot of space for great discussion for teachers. Truthfully, I I think it does. I get that. Oh, yeah. Even 
and I, I think that's what's missing from a lot of lesson planning is it's we a lot of the times uh, because of time, because of stress, because of teams that don't collaborate well, um, we go to the easy solution. We go to, oh, OK, that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's great. We did that last year. Let's do this. We're not really deep diving into what we need. And I think this could potentially be a tool for administrators, for coaches, um, for anyone who wants to invigorate their academic dialogue with educators around lesson plans. I think chat GBT is such a powerful way to encourage that in a, in a non-threatening way, because we can, we can all criticize AI, right? If, if, but if, if Pam Ochoa brought this lesson plan and we all sat there and analyzed what we wanted to do and what we didn't do, there's a little bit more of a personal attachment to that. Right. But if we right. go, Oh, let's plug this in. Let's see the lesson plan. Now let's analyze it and talk about it. Talk about your PD opportunities for how people think through lessons. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and also it, like you said, it takes that personal, well, I do yeah. it this way, you do it that way. So yeah, it which matter. happens quite often. So mm -hmm. this right here takes that personal element out of it just a little bit. Now we're analyzing like you and I did that lesson. That's, I don't know who put all that in there, but it's, it's in there. Artificial intelligence is now using it. Uh, and, you know, and so now we're not hurting anybody's feelings. Now we're going through and analyzing that. And then in the process, we're understanding more of how we are as teachers and what we think is important in the classroom. And then from there, we can glean from each other and create a similar lesson following the same details, but not necessarily be completely scripted. Yeah. 100%. And ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that has been Craft and Draft hour and five on this one ochoa We're there really you go hitting the gas on this we're gonna have the video post so for anyone who wants it you want to see how the lesson plans were spit out join us on patreon like i said this video is gonna go we usually keep this for our listener plus tier we're gonna let this video go to everyone because we think it's valuable plus we're gonna do some bonus for the listener plus tier coming up this month with some of this stuff so we have some ideas percolating so whether you're a listener or listener plus tier if you're just a freebie doesn't matter if you want to see the video join us on patreon just like so many others have but if not leave a review subscribe so don't miss any other episodes we're gonna drop this episode every, pretty much every single friday things have been a little bit cray cray with all the schedules but you guys understand thank you in advance for understanding but this episode will go live soon come back next week for another great one and know that we are here <laughs> <laughs>